Welcome to a new episode of this new podcast series by the program International Tuition at Cornell University, or as we call it, the PIN podcast. In this series, Trey Nason PIN interview leaders and rising stars in the field of international tuition and global health. Today on the podcast, our interviewers include myself. My name is Christy, and I'm a graduate student in PIN, as well as one other PIN graduate student. Hello, I'm Kripal. And our special guest for today is Dr. Stella Northhagen. Dr. Northhagen is a senior technical specialist with the Global Alliance for Improved Nutrition, GAIN, where she oversees research and learning activities related to food systems in 10 countries in Africa and Asia. Her areas of research interest include market-based approaches to improving diets and nutrition, nutrition-sensitive agriculture, climate change adaptation, gender equity, food safety, food environments, and drivers of food choice. Welcome to the podcast, Stella, and thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. Uh, To start us off, could you introduce our listeners to the work that GAIN does and a little bit about your role in GAIN? Certainly, yeah. So GAIN is the Global Alliance for Improved Nutrition, uh, and we were founded in 2002 uh, by the UN, and our headquarters are in Geneva, Switzerland. But we have representative offices in a few different countries in Europe, as well as the United States, and our main project offices are in Africa and Asia across, I believe, uh, 10 different countries right now. So GAIN aims to increase access to safe and nutritious foods for all, and particularly the most vulnerable. And we do that through partnerships with um, businesses, with governments, with other civil society organizations, as well as through direct work on the ground in those countries. My role within GAIN is within the team of um, knowledge leadership, which is what we call our division that focuses on things like research, evidence building, learning, monitoring, um, and basically, generating knowledge and also taking knowledge that already exists out there in the world about what works and what doesn't work for nutrition and trying to translate that into practice, um, be it within on the ground programs or within different types of, of policy initiatives. Well, that is amazing. That's a big job that GAIN does and has. And what do you see uh, the priorities of GAIN being in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, well, certainly to say um, it is a big job and we definitely don't do it alone. Um, as, as our name implies, we like alliances and we always work through alliances and by building alliances and partnerships with different organizations. And I think as the in the next decade, um, obviously, I'm, I'm not the leader of GAIN, so I can't, you know, lay out our, our strategy. But um, just based on my, my knowledge of the field and the organization, I think our main priority, like so many other actors within the field of international development and nutrition, is doing our part to try and build on the 2030 sustainable development agenda. Um, You know, right now we are about nine years, no longer 10 years out um, from when we're supposed to have achieved the SDGs. Those include important milestones on related to hunger, related to nutrition, related to well-being, as well as related to other um, somewhat tangential topics that GAIN works on, such as gender equity, um, such as, you know, in food loss and waste. And so as an organization, um, all the kind of different activities that we're doing, I think, you know, we're we're trying to aim at that, that broader goal. And a lot of the priorities on kind of reaching that goal over the next 10 years 
uh, are currently kind of being discussed across major international platforms, such as this year's Food Systems Summit organized by the UN uh, in October and the Nutrition for Growth Summit later on this year in Tokyo. And kind of through those different international platforms and alliances, um, you know, we'll hope as a nutrition community to identify new strategies and new priorities to reach those goals um, with gain playing a part within it. Specifically within that, I think that we're going to continue to focus on kind of some of the core areas that we feel are really essential for tackling malnutrition. That includes things like large-scale food fortification. Um, it also includes supporting small and medium-sized enterprises throughout the food supply chain. It includes paying uh, close attention to improving the diets of young children who are some of the most vulnerable to malnutrition, um, but you know, often don't get the diets that they need. And also starting to pay a bit more attention to some of the other populations that maybe haven't gotten as much focus in international nutrition in the past, um, thinking specifically of adolescents. Adolescent nutrition is kind of a, an issue of growing importance uh, within international nutrition. And that's definitely something that GAIN is very interested in and in trying to find ways to address adolescent nutrition and doing that in a way that recognizes that adolescents are kind of active agents in shaping their own choices and their own nutrition. Um, so those are kind of some of the some of the priority areas that I, I see for us. Thank you, Stella. Um, gender equity, food loss, and waste, adolescent nutrition all sound like really important issues. And you also mentioned you are into research and evidence building and also translating into programs and policies. So it looks like there's a lot going on. Could you tell us what a typical day for you looks like? Like what exactly do you do? Yeah, I think that's always a great question to ask people of what do you actually do, right? Because um, <laughs> there's so many things when people talk about your jobs, can't figure out what does that mean in a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, there is a lot going on, and certainly I'm not the one doing all of it, um, but I do have my hands in many different projects, and that's mm -hmm. something that I, I like a lot about my job, because um, I like to be able to, you know, switch focus from one thing to another, uh, keep my, my attention span short. Um, and so in a typical day, I'm often switching between various different types of projects and activities. I say I could kind of divide my work into two main buckets, um, and one would be kind of the work that I do that's directly supporting programs in country that are trying to improve nutrition. So within those, that, kind of the tasks I might be doing in a day would be having calls with my colleagues um, who are working on those different nutrition projects to kind of address problems that they're having or plan for new activities or brainstorm, you know, what we might do in the future or talk about successes also. So for example, this morning, um, I had a call with colleagues in Mozambique that are working on a project to try and improve diets for pregnant lactating women, young children and adolescents in kind of a poor rural area of Mozambique. Um, and so we talked some about kind of the project prog progress, planning out some of the new activities, figuring out how kind of some different monitoring and research activities might fit within those implementation activities. Um, so there I kind of try and use my expertise related to, to research to figure out how can we use research that's relevant for you when you're implementing this program to try and learn something about how you can improve that implementation, right, and how to actually make it better. And then another um, kind of task I would do often related to program work is dealing with um, research, dealing with research studies. So anywhere from kind of coming up with the original idea for that study, developing a protocol, developing tools, working on training people to kind of administer surveys or administer interviews um, and then getting the data and, you know, getting to, to play with the data, analyze the data, visualize the data, um, write that up in different kinds of papers and, you know, share it through through different channels um, to be able to kind of 
translate again that that knowledge we've gained from our programs back into practice. Um, so also this morning I was working kind of on analyzing some qualitative data that we recently got back from a study um, and kind of going through that and coding it and it's it's very exciting right because you spend a lot of time thinking about a study and planning for it and mm-hmm. you know banging your head against the wall as you try to get the perfect data collection tools and then when you actually get the data back and you can really like look at it and analyze it it's very it's very fulfilling for me um as as students i'm sure you can uh, can relate somewhat to that but so, so yeah, those are some um some typical activities and then of course i'm also uh engaging in different types of, of meetings trainings reading papers that other people put out um attending webinars all that that does sound really exciting and i i also personally love analyzing data so like i totally connect with that piece but <laughs> everything else also sounds so much fun to do so i would like to switch gears now and would like to talk about your career trajectory so you studied in us uh, you studied at middlebury college in us and then did an mphil and phd from the university of cambridge and then you have worked in different types of um, institutions in both academic and nonprofits so if you can just walk us through Yeah. Trajectory. Yep. It's a uh, it's a bit of a mixed trajectory indeed. Um mm-hmm. and in some ways I'm probably not uh representative of your typical interviewee for this podcast because I actually don't have a background in nutrition. Um so I uh I did my undergraduate in economics um and after that I ended up working in public health for 2 years. Um I worked at Harvard University Initiative for Global Health and then at the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluations um in Seattle. And that was kind of my first foray into public health. It wasn't something I was really aware of. uh as a topic before and I wasn't particularly aware of nutrition either um but I thought that was it was interesting work and I um I enjoyed doing that but when I went to grad school I decided to kind of shift focus a little bit so I did my um my masters and PhD at Cambridge and I was focusing more on agricultural economics actually um so kind of going back to back to economics and looking particularly at agricultural issues in developing countries um so my phd dissertation focused on farmers motivations for choosing diverse types of crops in papua new guinea um so kind of quite different actually um mm-hmm. from from public health and nutrition but after i finished my phd i really wanted to um get some more practical work experience you know i wanted something that wasn't quite so ivory tower um type of research and i got a fellowship through the us congressional hunger center that allowed me to work with the ngo helen keller international in west africa um so i started out in burkina faso and worked there on a nutrition sensitive agriculture project for a year and then transitioned to their regional office in senegal and worked on similar projects but across several different african countries um and i found in that that nutrition was great because it was able to kind of unite my interest and experience in public health with my interest and experience in kind of agriculture and agricultural economics um and just was a I found it was a really good fit I found it was to be a, a very interesting field um so I started to work after that fellowship I got a, a full-time job at Helen Keller International um as their monitoring evaluation and learning advisor um for Africa focusing on I think 12 different African countries primarily on nutrition projects but not only um so I got to experience a lot of different topics within the field of nutrition uh, including things like community management of acute malnutrition, vitamin A supplementation, um adolescent nutrition, IYCF, 
all, all these different topics. Um, and it was a really, it was a great experience and a good introduction to the field. Um, and after about five and a half years in West Africa, uh, I switched and I joined GAIN. Um, so that's about two years ago now. And now I'm based in, uh, based in Geneva. Wow, that is a really amazing trajectory. You have lived in so many different countries. Uh, we were wondering if you had any insight of uh, living and working abroad for field work and for different work experiences. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for for somebody who's interested in international nutrition, um, the international aspect of it is is kind of crucial to get in there at some point or another, right? And obviously, there is great and important work to do in nutrition domestically within any country. Um, you don't need to go internationally to have an impact on nutrition. But if you're interested in that, then I think getting field experience, getting experience living and working in kind of countries that you're trying to target, particularly low and middle income countries, um, it's really essential. And in particular, I think it does, it's not essential, but it does help to kind of have diverse experiences. Because um, at least for me, when I had my my first experience doing field work, which was on an island in Tanzania, um, you know, I came to a lot of conclusions about like, the way things work, right? The way that agriculture is done and things like that. Um, and, you know, those seemed, those seemed like those must be right. And then after kind of I went and I worked in a very different context in um, Papua New Guinea, I saw, wow, okay. No, actually agriculture is a lot more diverse and a lot more complicated and works in a lot more different ways um, than what I'd seen there. And so kind of, you know, every time I added a new experience, such as working in the Sahel, right, um, in Burkina Faso or in Mali, it's another very different setting. Um, so each time you kind of, it diversifies your experience and it also calls you to kind of question, okay, what are some of the things that are things that you might have assumed to be universal when in fact they're actually context specific. And I think it makes you pay more attention to important points of context and the questions you need to ask when you're trying to understand a context going forward. Yeah, so would you have from your experience any advice for graduate students? Anything that you have, uh, or you could also talk about if there was something that you would have liked to know or have learned when you were a graduate student? Yeah, I think the um, the number one thing that I wish I knew when I was a graduate student, and I'm sure both of you already know this, but that's that you're not supposed to know everything when you're a graduate student. Um, I kind of felt when I was doing my PhD, like, you know, the fact that I had been accepted to do a PhD um, meant that I was supposed to know how to do a PhD, right? And that I was supposed to have a, have a good idea about how one would design a study and go out and collect data and manage all of that oneself for the first time. So I was, um, you know, I was a little hesitant about asking too many questions so that I wouldn't appear like, gosh, she really doesn't know what she's, you know, talking about. Why did, why did we let her into this program? Um, but really, you're not supposed to know. The point of the PhD is to learn and it really is, you know, it is an educational experience, right? Um, it might be a high level one, but it's still about learning. It's still about education. So don't worry if you don't know, ask all the questions that you can during your PhD. Don't worry if you feel like you, you're looking, you seem ignorant or you seem underexperienced, um, cause this is really the time that, you, that you're supposed to be learning and nobody will fault you for, for not knowing at all. I think that is a really great advice. I think you hit the nail right uh, in the head as they say. Uh, because I feel like a lot of us feel like that uh, and it can be intimidating to ask questions because you don't want to seem uh, like you don't know or well, like you don't want to seem like dumb or something. Uh, but this that's really good advice, really appreciate it. And uh, we were wondering if you could let us know um, 
to some like what would be the worst thing about your job and the best thing about your job that's something that we ask all our guests uh just to get some perspective yeah no definitely and i think it's a it's a good question to to ask for sure um and the worst thing about my job definitely for the past year it's been not feeling like i have much of a connection to kind of where my work is taking place at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the work that I do is supporting projects that happen in low and middle income countries. They're intervening to improve nutrition within those countries. And, you know, during COVID and due to all the travel restrictions, can no longer kind of travel, can no longer feel any, you know, personal connection to that and really see kind of what's happening on the ground. Um, and I'm somebody who kind of, I, I've gotten used because of some of my past roles were very focused on, you know, field focused and kind of being, being near the activities. Um, I got quite used to having that perspective um, and moving to a headquarters role initially was an adjustment in general on that front, but kind of once, uh, once the pandemic hit and, you know, none of us left our, left our home offices, um, that was definitely a, you know, a big, uh, a big challenge for me. And it still is to kind of try and feel, feel motivation and feel grounded in the work when I can't kind of actually see the people who are doing it or the place where it's happening um, or any of that. So that's, um, that's definitely one thing that's, uh, that's uh, a challenge and yeah, not ideal. Um, in terms of the best thing about it, I mean, I think there, there's two that I'll say. One is that it's just really interesting. Um, like, you know, a lot of the topics that I work on are the kind of things that like, I would also read books about that in my spare time, just because I think they're interesting, right? Um, so that's great to kind of have that alignment where, ah, yeah, like, this stuff is interesting. I like this stuff. Um, I like reading about it, writing about it, talking about it. Um, it's nice to have that alignment. And then the even better part about it is that um, I do think, you know, nutrition is a really impactful field. Um, it's one where kind of it needs more people to be working on it, more people to be paying attention to it. And there is so much good that kind of is remaining to be done within the field of nutrition um, that I think it's, it's quite rewarding to, to be working on it and kind of know that you're, yeah, making some contribution, whatever the size of that is. That is really amazing. It makes me, when I hear like, um, just like examples like this, it makes me really happy that I chose to be in international nutrition. I'm really excited of what could come next. And it's just amazing to see all the work that you've done and they are doing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so okay. much for our listeners. Um, thank you so much again, Dr. Nohagen and Stella for being here. Uh, thank you for our listeners for listening in today. And we hope you can get back to the field as soon as possible, um, safely with the vaccine and everything. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having for- me. It's, um, it's been a real pleasure. So nice thank chatting you with so you much. today. Yeah, thank you so much. And for our listeners, stay tuned for more insightful conversations with amazing researchers in international nutrition in future episodes. And thank you for listening. And many thanks to Elena Kerki for the audio edits and our theme music.